0: Hi, welcome to Hartville Will Baptist Church, second Sunday that we've had to meet like this rather than right here, and um, this is kind of difficult for all of us, but I'm thankful that we can still connect and we have this opportunity to share from God's Word, and you can kind of see some familiar faces and hear some familiar voices, but most of all we want to hear from God's Word, and I appreciate, we've got like, this is an empty room that, right here. And we've only got like two people here. Appreciate Gary. Appreciate Philip for your help, um, but I know you're there, and God knows you're there. And so here's what I'm doing: is as I'm as I'm here today. I'm, I'm kind of looking around this empty room, and but but I'm imagining. Uh, all you guys that are usually here, because you kind of have gotten in a habit through the years of sitting in kind of like the same places, and, and I can just imagine, I can imagine, and I could call your name falling asleep right back over there, and I can and hear somebody say amen right over So, you know, I'm just kind of using my imagination here because I'm thinking about you, and I'm, I've been praying for you. I've also been thinking about and praying for the people that I don't know that are going to see this, and last week we heard back from people uh, it was really surprising some of the people who and because of some of you uh, had mentioned it to them and that they tuned in and, and we we've heard from them so we're so thankful that we can do this um, hey, take your Bible and let's turn to the book of psalms we're going to look in Psalm chapter eighteen or the eighteenth psalm uh, we're going to look at verse six also going to look at psalm fifty six in just a little bit so uh, get ready for that um, and we're talking about uh, Well, starting last week, things really begin to change for us, Um, not allowed to come together here. And so we've been focusing on the whole topic of faith over fear, because we're dealing with a lot of unknown things. We're dealing with a lot of things that none of us ever thought we would have to deal with. And uh, the the storms of life have kind of hit us like all of a sudden. And we had some storms roll through our town Friday evening, it really left some damage. And it can happen like before we even know it. And that's kind of the way this whole thing has been. You remember that story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount about that the wise person is someone who not only listens to him, but then does what he says is like a person that builds their house on a rock. And that house is like our life. We build our life on his teachings and doing what he says. Uh, And then the person who doesn't do that, they may hear it, but they don't do it, it's like someone who builds their life or their house on, on shifting sand. And then the storms come, and the storms are always going to come. And when those storms come, if we're on the solid rock, we'll stand firm. Um, and so that's what Jesus taught, and that's, that's what we need because we've got storms of life happening right now. We don't even know how all this is going to go. But God knows, and we can put our faith in Him. And that's why today I want to talk for a few moments about uh, not just faith over fear, but the perspective that God wants us to have based on his word. Because I want my perspective to come from what God says. I don't want it to come from what the world is saying out there. I don't want it to come from what everybody else is doing. I want to get a perspective that is biblical. I want to get a perspective that's eternal. And so we're going to talk about the perspective that prevails over fear. Um, In this psalm that we're looking at, David David knew a little bit about fear. Uh, he lived during those Old Testament times. Things were different back then. He had the promise of this one that was going to come. Uh, in fact, uh, it was prophesied all the way back in the Garden of Eden, right after Adam and Eve sinned, and sin right after Adam and Eve sinned, and sin came into the whole world. Uh, you and I have all sinned. We're in the same boat. But right after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, that God said that there's one that's going to come that's going to crush the enemy's head. And then God singled out Abraham and said that this old guy that was past the age of having children, that you're going to have a son, and you and Sarah are going to have a son. And he said, through you and through your seed, all nations of the world are going to be blessed. And it was connected to that son, Isaac, that was going to be born. Well, then... That same promise was repeated to Isaac's son Jacob, and then Jacob had 12 sons, and God says out of one of those is going to arise one out of the tribe, the son of Judah, the son named Judah, and the tribe that was named after him, that one's going to rise up from his descendants. That's going to be like the king, and he's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the deliverer. And so these promises were there, and, uh, but God's story is gradually unfolding through the Old Testament. But see, now we have the whole story, and this promise of the Deliverer, Jesus Christ has come, and he can deliver us from all our fear. Now, back to David. David knew something about this, and there's some things. Not only in the Bible do we have like principles of truth that we can apply to our life today, but we also have examples of real people Real people like us, who may have lived in a different time, but they face similar things that we do, and we have an example of watching them and how they dealt with it. David is a good example of that. And in this psalm, in Psalm 18, verse 6, David is worshiping the Lord. He's worshiping God, and he's writing it down as he recounts the many ways that God has delivered him as he faced all kinds of stuff. I mean, David faced all kinds of fear. David faced isolation. I'm telling you, isolation is, being a, is a little difficult uh, for me. I, I really miss uh, seeing everybody and, and, and just being around all of you. Uh, but David knew something about isolation. And he also faced what seemed like certain death many times at the hands of his enemies. And um, the background of, of a lot of, of this psalm is recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 22. It talks about toward the end, David looks back and he's recounting all the ways that God delivered him in these situations. And here's what he says. He says in verse 6 of Psalm 18, In my distress, anybody got any distress? He says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. And he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. In my distress, what did I do? I panicked, hoarded toilet paper. No, he cried out to our God. Uh, That word distress is pretty interesting, because practically all English translations of the Bible, both ancient and and more modern ones render this word exactly the same, distress. It's a word, you know, there's not a lot of words that through the centuries haven't changed in their meanings quite a bit. This is one word that really hasn't so much. Uh, David was in deep distress, in my distress. Now, distress, according to our dictionary, indicates extreme anxiety, sorrow, or pain. And as I said, it's a very old English word, uh, That has come down to us and hasn't really changed in meaning. And I I believe every word of this book's inspired. And so I wanna know those words and I wanna look at those words. And the word translated here is translated very well distress. And the Old English goes back before the English language is even coming into being. It comes from the Old French, which was based on a Latin word that means to be stretched. It's like we're being pulled apart, we're distressed. And all kinds of problems and sorrow and anxiety and pain. And maybe we've had a little distress lately. I mean, not just here, but all across our country. All across the world, there's a lot of distress. We just have seen things that we never thought we would see. Uh, Things have shut down that I never thought a few months ago could shut down. I never thought I would be in an empty room and sharing the Word of God that you'll watch digitally. I never thought that. So we have so many things that are happening, and there's so many questions that we could have. Uh, And so fear is something that's really playing on a lot of people. A lot of this is fueled by gossip and rumors, and, and there's all kinds of theories and conspiracy theories, and then you've got the media. But I need something that's true, solid rock that I can build my life on. I'm glad I've got that in the Word of God. So the distress, like what David even was talking about, it brings with it that distress. And he said, I've been in distress. All right? So he's been there. And that distress brings all kinds of fear. And you know what fear does? Fear paralyzes us. You've seen somebody that's like frozen in fear. They just can't move. That's what it does. It paralyzes us. Faith is what sets us free. But when I say faith sets us free and faith over fear, it depends on what your faith is in. Let me give you an example. You could put your faith in me to pilot an airplane. Say if we're on an airplane and something happened to the pilot and you said, hey, I trust you. I have faith in you. Get up there and land this thing. I'm I'm pretty sure you wouldn't like the outcome and neither would I of what might happen. Uh, So faith is only as good as It's object, okay? So that's what he's talking about here. That's why he makes it clear that he's calling on the Lord. His faith was in the Lord. Another psalm that we're going to look at in just a moment, in Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4, David said this. Psalm 56, 3 and 4, he says, Whenever I am afraid, he says, whenever, not if, Or maybe I'll be afraid, but he says, when I am afraid. He's been there. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Did you notice one of the first things that David did there in that verse was he admitted that he gets afraid sometimes. Now I'm thinking, wait a minute. Now this is the guy writing this. This is the guy that as a young man dropped a giant with just like a sling and a stone. I mean, I mean, if this guy that also killed a lion and a bear, if this guy has times that he's afraid, now I want to tell you that you and me, we're going to show sure enough be afraid at times. But David said, not if, but when I'm afraid. And then he shares the perspective that caused him to prevail over that fear. He says that he called on the Lord. He trusted in the Lord, and he trusted in his word. And you can't really know what his word is unless you get into his word, and you discover it, and you begin to read it. And that's part of what we're going to talk about here. Now, today, we're still not able to safely meet in our buildings and assemble together. And hopefully, it won't be long before we can uh, but uh, I hope everyone's using common sense out there and just being smart. We know God's let us discover how these things work and how we can stop it and uh, slow this uh, this disease down. Um to not do that. And you know, there may be somebody out there saying, well, I'm just going to trust in God. I've just got faith in God and nothing bad's going to happen to me and I'm just going to go about. I mean, the same logic applies to you jumping in a car and driving a hundred mile an hour down a curvy road and all the time just praying, God, keep me safe. I want to tell you, faith doesn't work like that. God gave us some common sense. and, 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 And also he told us that we're to listen to and obey those who have the rule over us. And they seem to know what they're talking about. So I hope that you're being smart. I hope that you're, you're, you're doing the things that you need to do. But things in our world have changed. Um, and we talked about that some last time, but how it happened all of a sudden. Life's not nearly as stable and, and as safe as we, we thought it was. And it's not just here in the U.S. As I mentioned, it's the whole world been plunged into something that's far worse and has happened faster than any of us thought would. But I also believe, as you probably do too, that this is also not just some thing that happened, but it's a wake-up call from God. And we've all been impacted. It's like we've been smacked in the face with reality that life's not as secure as we thought it was. Now, I got a lot of encouragement this week from Dr. Tony Evans who called this, a divine disruption. And I agree with that. I think that's spot on. And that God has stopped us in our tracks and he's given us something to think about, to think about our lives, to think about eternity. He's given us a pause so we can seek him, turn to him, and call out to him and trust in him. And he referred to a story in Second Chronicles 15 when God spoke to the king after the people the people had wandered from him and, and he's, he's getting... King Asa on track here, and he says in verse 4 of Second Chronicles 15, he reminds them, but when in their trouble, talking about his people, when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, when they did that, he says he was found by them. The thing that's got to happen first is we've got to stop, and we've got to turn, and we've got to seek him. If you do that, You're going to find him. You're going to have to find him through his word, but you're going to find him. One of the problems that they had was, it says in verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 15, was that for a long time no one had been accurately teaching God's word to them. I mean, you know, there were people talking about God, and in that day they had their faults and their feel-good preachers too, just like we do in our day. They talked about God, but they still had wandered far from his truth. And he tells us that even during those times, in verse 6, as I read, that, that, uh, that if they stopped and turned to him, that he, in verse 4 I mean, that he would be found by them. But he tells us also in verse 6 that all these things that happened, that God had troubled them with all kinds of adversity or distress, that God had troubled them or distressed them. Now, does that mean now, like today, that God is the source of this trouble or distress? No, it's more like in their day, they brought, and like us, we bring the distress upon ourselves by turning away from God's truth. Uh, in the Old Testament times, God did sometimes send judgments as a big moment and an object lesson in a very direct way, like you know raining down uh, fire and brimstone and things like that. But in the New Testament times, uh, we are under a new covenant in Christ, and God is seeking to reconcile all things to himself through Christ Jesus. But He is the one who's the creator, and he is the one who has God set into motion all the laws that we have, not just... Not just the moral laws, but even the physical laws. I mean, you might say that I don't like the law of gravity. And it may be right for you, but it's not right for me. And then you want to play Superman and jump off of a building. I'm going to tell you it's not going to go well. Uh, You're going to have some consequences you're going to have to deal with. Same way is true with all of the moral laws that God has put down. He's God. He's the designer. And when we think we can do our own thing that's contrary to God's design, God's word, and we think that we're still going to be blessed, we're going to be fooling ourselves. Because we live in a sin-cursed world, and because we've all chosen sin, these kinds of distresses are going to come in this world, and this, is, this world's not a safe place. That's why he has set out to redeem us, and that we read in his word about a new heavens and a new earth, and this perfection that's going to last forever because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Uh, That's coming. But see, now, we live in this world, and true, there's a lot of these things that are happening, perhaps, because, um, hey, we've turned our back on the Lord. It's not like God's causing, but God allowed it to happen. In Romans chapter 1, in the New Testament, you find how that people in Paul's day had, had stopped worshiping the Creator, and they were worshiping created things. Sound familiar? And also, they had turned into all kinds of twisted and perverted things. And it says over and over in this passage in Romans chapter 1 that God gave them over. God delivered them or gave them over to their corrupt minds to do all kinds of ungodly things that God gave them over. It's kind of like the Lord saying, okay, you want life without me? Here, have at it. It it, it reminds me, that kind of judgment reminds me of when I was a Five years old. Now, there's not a lot of memories that you might have of being five-year-olds, but let me tell you, this memory is burned into my mind. When I was five years old, because now I grew up in the country, grew up on a farm, and I began to find my dad's little pouch of chewing tobacco. And when I was five years old, I would sneak in there and get a little twig of that, put it in my mouth, and you know, it was, uh, I can't remember exactly what kind it was, but it was kind of sweet. I kind of liked it. I thought it was big stuff, you know, but I kind of liked it. And uh Finally, Dad caught me doing that. And one day we were out there and a the neighbor was over, and I kind of wanted some of that. And Dad's like, get you get you some of that. In fact, get you a whole bunch of it. No, I'll get you some more of that. Pack that jaw full, boy. And boy, I did. And I can remember walking around thinking, boy, I was something else. And then a few moments later, the whole world began to spin around and change colors. And then everything that I had eaten for like the last two weeks appeared. I was so sick. As they say, sicker than a dog, I don't know that I've ever seen a dog any any sicker than I remember being that day. I mean, it is etched in my mind. So it's kind of like, you want some of that? Here, have you a bunch of it and see if you like what you get. And that may be what happens to us when we turn from God and we experience the consequences of breaking his laws. So God uses these things to get our attention. And so even though he's not the source of it, I do believe he's using this to stop us in our tracks, to cause us to look within and then look to him. So let me ask you a question. Does he have your attention yet? Have things slowed down and changed enough that he's got your attention yet? I mean, we don't want things to get worse. We want things to start getting better. But does he have your attention? Does he have my attention? As we come through this, a lot of things are going to change. A lot of things need to change. As, as this thing begins to pass and we begin to come back together, I hope things just don't go back to being exactly like they were. Uh, for one thing, church, and I'm talking to our church, people that gather here. We're just a small part of the kingdom of God. Just a local body of believers. We have kept God in the building way too long. See, this is a place where we gather, and it's important to gather, to fellowship, to worship together, to pray together, to be equipped to do service for Him, but we do that out in the world. We do that. We're we're to take the light of God's gospel. We're to take the good news, the light of hope and love and salvation and peace, and, and we're to shine it into the darkest places. Now, I'm so thankful that we've got the ability to meet virtually and digitally, but the time will come that we will come physically back together. And I hope things are different. I hope things are different and, and we can learn all the things that God is trying to show us. Which, by the way, this whole social distancing thing, I said it's difficult, but I wish i wish they wouldn't use that phrase, social distancing. Uh, maybe call it physical distancing. Because socially, we can still be connected. And I'm so glad that we've got you know, we've got our smartphones and we've got tablets. We've got different ways that we're able to connect in small groups and we're to connect right here now that we can do that. We can call each other. In centuries past, they couldn't do that. So I'm thankful that we have these things. But you know what? We're to be more than just a building that's up here on this hill this church is. And we're to be a light that shines hope and love into every nook and cranny of this dark world. And I pray that God will help us. And I pray that we'll all be more committed to be in the church and be equipped to do that. So what are we to do? What are we supposed to do now uh, if we're going to have that perspective that prevails? In Second Chronicles chapter 15, again in verse 2, he tells them that the Lord was with them while they were with him that if they seek him, they will find him. But when they forsook God, he forsook them as well. See, God designed it so that we're to seek him. People will say, how come the Lord didn't make it more simple and easier to just understand? How come I've got to dig in here and find God's truth as it's unfolded and revealed in the pages of Scripture? Because God designed it in such a way that you seek him. He wants you to seek him. If you're waiting for some lightning bolt to strike or something just to change you, that's probably not going to happen. What God wants you to do is to respond to the truth that you already know and to seek Him and to seek answers in His Word. I'm glad He's given us something that is God-breathed, His inspired Word. And not only has He given it to us, I'm glad that those men that wrote this down, people say, well, is not how is it the Word of God when it's written down by men? I'm glad that he used human beings to write it down. If he had just dropped it out of heaven, I mean, part of it he did write with his own finger, but he wrote it in human language, the Ten Commandments, you know, and the law. But I'm glad that he gave it to us in a, uh, through people that we can relate to and understand. Um, but yet the Bible tells us that when the Word hit the page, it was as they were moved along and carried along by the Holy Spirit so that... Even though their personalities and styles come through, that is still exactly what God wanted. And God has preserved this for us today. So we have light. We have a foundation. It's not just whatever you think or hope or whatever you like. I mean, we have something solid that we, not only us, but for thousands of years that people have been able to base their life on and their faith on and have victory over their fears and over death and over destruction. God says, seek me. In fact, in James chapter 4, verse 8, In the New Testament, he reminds us, saying that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And so you're not waiting on God, God's waiting on you. But you begin to turn away from God, you're going to see that fellowship broken with God. So this is what we're to do, and this is exactly what David did. Let's jump back into Psalm 56, uh, where David, he's a good example of someone who sought the Lord and was delivered from fear, because David had the right kind of fear. Now, last time we were talking about different ways, uh, different words that are translated as fear. I mean, we've got a word that means to, be, to have dread or to be intimidated. We have a word, phobos, that's that panicky fear that hits us right in the face, um, but we also have fear used as a word of awe and respect and reverence. And when we fear the Lord, that's the kind of fear it's talking about. I mean, when we have fear of the Lord, it's not like we're waiting down here that we're just like, we're, we're, we're afraid God, we're flinching. We're afraid God's just going to reach down and whop us right off into the pit. That's not what it's talking about. It is a, a, an awe, it is a respect, it is a reverence. And we do reverence the holiness and the power and the justice of God. But it's one that drives us in the right direction. And if you have the right kind of fear, the fear of God, it will deliver you from all the other kinds of fear. And that's what David had. The Lord had sent Samuel to anoint him as king when he was just a boy, just a young guy. I mean, everybody was shocked. They wouldn't have thought it would be him. When he anointed him, that means to literally rub oil, poured oil on him. And it was a symbolic thing of the presence of God was on him. He was singled out by God, and this act was performed on him to show that. And, 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 and so he was anointed. He, he was chosen out by Samuel from God to be the king. Well, it didn't happen all at once. It didn't happen for a long time. You know the story, if you've studied, I mean, the I mean, I'm telling you, the Bible is not boring. You might be boring, but the Bible is not. you got all these stories of David and and Goliath, and then then Saul begins to get the idea of what what God was doing, and and Saul's heart turns against God, and then he decides, you know, maybe I should, like, kill David. And so uh, he made it his life mission, Saul did, to kill David. So how's that sound to you? Like, you're chosen by God, but then the Lord just doesn't open the door and let you waltz in there to be king and do what you got to do. You go through this whole period of time where the most powerful man in the nation, the king Saul, wants you dead. David had to flee for his life. And this psalm, Psalm 56, was one of the psalms that he actually wrote during that time. He was fleeing for his life and hiding from Saul. And in 1 Samuel 21, it's recorded where he flees from Saul to Ahimelech the priest. Then after that he goes to a town called Gath where he's hiding out. And he's kind of, you know, isolated from his family and things like that. He's hiding out. Someone recognizes him. And if you read that story, David actually had to fake being insane to get out of there and to escape. So he's got Saul wanting, he's after him, wanting to kill him. And you have also have danger from the king of Gath who might want to kill him. I think David knew something about fear. So just imagine that for a minute. Every force in your country is out scouring the land for you. They're interrogating your friends and your family, and they're hot on your trail. You can't go to any public places. You're always looking over your shoulder. And, 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 and I'm sure he couldn't even go into town to buy his toilet paper. So David was in isolation. I mean, welcome to the nightmare that was the reality of David's life. So how did he deal with it? In verse 3 of Psalm 56, it says, he says this. When, I read it earlier. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. He called it like it was. He admits he has fear, but he makes a conscious decision. It's his decision of his own will to walk by faith and to trust in the Lord, to call on the Lord. Verse 4, he says he will trust in the Lord whose word or promises I praise. His walk of faith was based on the word, the promises of God. It wasn't just some leap in the dark. It was based on something solid. Faith is the substance. There's substance. There's evidence. Faith is, Hebrews 11, says, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So David says, I make the choice to trust in you. I believe in your word, uh, God, and because of you, I choose not to be paralyzed by my fear. So when you get your focus on the fear, Your vision gets all distorted and the fear begins to look bigger maybe than it actually is. David chose to focus on the Lord. And when he did that, that giant didn't even look as big as an ant in the eyes of David compared to his God. So don't let the enemy hand you the binoculars of fear that just magnifies everything. Start looking through the lens of faith. And what David does in this psalm is he carries that whole thought, you know, like, well, what if? I don't know about you, but sometimes the what ifs, and I hear that a lot right now. What if this? What if that? What if? What if we run out of this? What if this happens? You can what if yourself until you go crazy. David goes ahead and just, well, let's carry it out. The what if becomes a that would mean what? In verse 4, he says, what if? Then he says, what can flesh or mortals do to me? And he reflects on God's care and his promises in verses 8 through 11 of Psalm 56. And then he asks the question again in verse 11 of Psalm 56. He says, in God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. He makes a decision. And he asks the question again, what can man do to me? What's the worst they could do? What ifs? Well, they could kill him. That's what they were trying to do. Or even worse than that, they could capture him, torture him, and then kill him. And he knew that. That sounds pretty horrible, doesn't it? So how was David able to overcome his fears and say, what can they really do to me? When he knew what they could do to him. Well, he shifted his thoughts that were fueled by fear from what is temporary and and an earthly point of view, and he focused on an eternal perspective. It kind of reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather, he said, fear him, God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And by stepping back and viewing from a more comprehensive perspective, he could say, even if my worst, what if, were to come to pass, I still choose to trust God. Because no one can destroy my soul. No one can hurt me eternally. My forever is going to be blessed. My forever is going to be safe. And what happens temporarily in the now pales compared to the goodness and the fullness and the faithfulness of God forever and ever and ever and ever. David got that eternal perspective. But you know what? The further I get from God, my what-ifs grow. They begin to pile on and paralyze me with fear. I've noticed this, that when I have sin in my life and areas that I know I'm rebelling against God, it exposes me to poison darts of fear and dread. It's like if you're cheating on your taxes or your business deals, you should be afraid. You should be afraid you're going to get in trouble. If you sin against your spouse, you should be afraid that they might leave. If you keep your foot on the gas and have to drive really fast, you are gonna be afraid of where the po-po is. So if you're selfish and greedy, you're, you're gonna always be afraid that you're not gonna have enough. By the way, this whole hoarding thing, this time out, let me say this. Is um it's not it's not the right thing to do because, I mean, yeah, plan, prepare, have what you need. That's you know, that's just smart. But when people hoard, is when people get more than they could possibly need for a long time. And you know what? Even the stay-at-home order, you can still go to the grocery store. You can still get some things. It's not like there's a blizzard coming. You're going to be trapped forever. But it's when hoarding is when you get more than you could possibly need, and it prevents others from getting what they desperately need. See, that's a sin to do that to other people. Anyway, back to this. So what are we to do? First of all, we are to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. That's what David did. As fear pursues you, you need to pursue the Lord. And this life journey we're on, seeking God and following hard after Him. I like, I like the words of our Surgeon General. Uh, pray for Dr. Adams. I mean, this guy really impresses me. He talks about leaning into this thing and, and really everybody trying hard. And you know what? I'm going to add to that we need to lean into the Lord and lean into His Word. We need to follow hard after Him, lean in. Psalm 34, 4, David says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and guess what he did? He says, and he delivered me from all my fears. So here's what I'm going to do. and we'll wrap it up right here. We've got to stop, and we've been stopped. But when we stop, we need to turn to the Lord. This whole turning to the Lord, there's another phrase or word that we use to describe that. It's called repentance. Turn to the Lord and call on Him, and then trust in Him. That's faith. When you do that, you're going to be delivered by Him. Pray with me. Father, help us to take this example and these few words from Your Scriptures, and Lord, help us to apply them to our life so that we get an eternal perspective based on Your Word that delivers us from the fear. And Lord, we know that You will prevail And we know that even in the midst of tough times, you're going to do amazing things in our lives and even in this world. To you be glory forever, Lord. Help us to seek you in Jesus' name. Amen.